This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. From music's relationship to beer, to how COVID helps speed up growth plans, Max Borgart of Eagle Park Brewing in Wisconsin is my guest this week. We're also going to talk about the collaboration the brewery created with the Hope for the Day Foundation, an IPA called Things We Don't Say, a beer that encourages us to talk about mental health. All right, we're going to get into the show in just a moment. But first, this episode is sponsored by Lawson's Finest Liquids. And joining me on the line is Sean Lawson. He's the namesake of the brewery. And we're talking about Little Sip, the brewery's lower ABV hoppy option. And Sean, I, I've been seeing this beer on shelves. I've had it a few times my, myself. Uh, how did this beer come about? Little Sip IPA came about, John, uh, through years of people asking for it in different ways. I love Sip of Sunshine, and the alcohol is a little bit high for me. Or, or I'd love to have two or three, but 8% is a bit big. Or could you make an IPA that tastes just like Sip of Sunshine and is a little bit lower alcohol? And that's exactly what Little Sip IPA is coming in at 6.2% ABV. And it has that same uh, juicy, tropical, uh, fruit hop forward um, profile to it, uh, notes of pineapple and grapefruit. It's uh, delectable and it's balanced is what many people love the most about it between the hop, the malt, and the drinkability of this beer. Uh, it pairs with outdoor adventures, fun, and great food. And uh, we hope folks it, for folks it never disappoints. And you can learn more on our website at lawsonsfinest.com in the news section and you can watch a neat little video called The Little Sip Origin Story and learn more about how Little Sip IPA came to be. I always love it when I can hear the smile in a brewer's voice when they're talking about a beer that they're exceptionally uh, or especially passionate about. Sean, you're going to be back with us at the bottom of the show. We'll talk more then about Little Sip. Uh, but as Sean mentioned, go check out Lawson'sFinest.com uh, where you can learn more about this beer and other beers in the Lawson's Finest lineup. This episode is sponsored by Brees. Brees is the leading supplier of specialty malt to craft brewers. They offer the broadest product line in the industry, including a wide range of roasted malts that add flavor, color, and character to beer. Their experienced operators handcraft every batch of roasted malt to ensure the product you get is consistent. Check out brewingwithbrees.com for beer recipes using roasted malt. We're also brought to you by NZ Hops, the cooperative of master hop growers. They are a passionate collective of farms dedicated to innovation and sustainability. Leading the charge in sustainable farm practices, some NZ Hop farms have over five generations of knowledge that inform their composting program, used by growers to promote healthy, regenerative growth of hops year upon year. This creates high quality soil, a critical component of healthy growing conditions. At NZ Hops, they feel that sustainability is not only being a steward for the land, but for our future. We're in it together. Join the conversation at nzhops.co.nz or on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, check out beeredge.com to sign up for the newsletter and to catch up with all of your clothing and glassware needs from the This Week in Rauk Beer, Camp Rauk Beer, and Defend Pilsner lines. Go to beeredge.com slash merch to learn more. And get with us on social media, either on the This Week in Rauk Beer Facebook group or at TW Rauk Beer on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we're also at The Beer Edge. 
So over the last few weeks, I've had a couple of IPAs pop up here at the house. They've all had the label reading, Things We Don't Say. And I soon learned that it was a collaboration beer between Eagle Park Brewing and the Hope for the Day Foundation. It's designed to talk about mental health in and around the beer space. And that includes us, the drinkers, as well. You've heard of Hope for the Day on the show before, notably when Drew Fox of 18th Street was on the show a few months ago. We're going to talk about that beer. But Max Borgart, who is my guest today, he's going to fill us in about how it all came together. He and his brothers had a choice, he said, either become musicians or brewers. They chose wisely. And even if they're still heavily involved in music, as the brewery has grown in the last few years, they've played to their strengths. IPA, a light beer aimed at non-craft drinkers, and hard seltzer smoothies. It's helped the brewery gain recognition, not only in their state, but beyond its borders. And it seems like every conversation is going to be about COVID-19 at some point, because it's just ever-present on the mind. Get vaccinated, by the way. When we recorded this in July, the CDC had not yet updated guidance. And so I started off by talking about how things were opening up and how the brewery was getting back into the swing of things with sales and planning for a grand reopening of their new tap room, which barely had time for a proper first grand opening. Max spoke to me over Zoom from the brewery in Muskego. Here's our conversation. What have you had to relearn since the world has reopened? Yeah, I mean, since the world kind of came back, I mean, we, you know, we had to relearn doing outside sales again. I mean, we've been basically selling all of our beer through emails and, you know, we opened up a lot of new territories in Wisconsin during COVID. So we didn't get to go see those people and meet those people. And um, that's weird for us because we're, I guess, all of us, all the owners in the company and our sales reps were very, we're very like people, people like we like being around people. We like big events. Like we were very social. So, you know, having all that shut off during COVID was hard on us just because we're just not used to that. Um, it's kind of not who we are. So kind of now that it's open, we have to, we're going on sales calls again and we're getting back into routes and doing festivals. And it's, it's like, you know, kind of relearning our old jobs, which is kind of interesting. And, they're different, you know, it's the world's different. So even what we do on a daily basis is slightly changed. The way business is done is slightly changed. So it's just kind of been a weird relearning process, but it's, it's been fun. I mean, I hope the world doesn't shut back down. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. What, what, what's, what's a change that you've noticed in how you're getting things done? Like, what's a good example of that? I would say that like, you know, from, service methods in restaurants are different now too. I mean, it's a lot of stuff is QR codes. A lot of stuff is that's how our restaurants are ran um, in both our tap rooms. And the way that now we meet with reps is slightly different too. I mean, certain companies that we deal with now, some of the bigger ones, they only do computer-based like Zoom calls now. A lot of it's not, a lot of it's not even in person anymore. And I don't know if it ever will be again, to be honest with you. Um, it's different for like the local, our local bars and restaurants, you know, they, they were, it's a, we're a very face-to-face -face industry and you know, that my, yeah. my past is I was, you know, I ran bars previous to owning this place. So, you know, that's, I don't think that's going to change. I think, you know, bar owners, cause we're around people, we serve people. It's like everyone, it, that face-to-face -face interaction is what bar owners want, you know? So we still do a well, lot sure. of that, but any like, chains or any larger corporations retail stores any of that stuff that we sell in it's none of it's really face-to-face -face anymore and I, I like i said i don't think it's going to go backwards honestly i think that's just how it's going to stay and some of these companies just changed 
There's so much that can be lost in translation. And I mean, I've been doing this show on Zoom now for the last 18 or so months with, with just a few exceptions. And I miss like the visual cues or, you know, the, you know, sort of reading somebody's face or, you know, having the atmosphere around us, which I think can make for a better show. I, when it comes to these virtual meetings, though, where you have you know, real dollars on the line, where, you know, there, there's, there's real things that need to be done. How how have you adapted to that? You know, are 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 there things that you think might be being lost in translation or left on the table or I don't know, fill in any sort of metaphor there? Yeah, man. I mean, I think I'm a very I'm a very like I'm very passionate about what we do when you know we're in meetings that you know we're trying to sell new products or whatever, and you know we're very expressive. I think we we're very you know we talk with our hands and we're I mean I would say that we're <laughs> we're definitely more outgoing when it than than some I suppose, but, but yeah, I think through a Zoom meeting you do lose that, and there's nothing worse than you know when the bandwidth goes down and everything starts glitching out and you start you know everyone starts robot pixeling and it's well great dead. now now you've just jinxed the show so thanks for that nah I didn't jinx we got we got fiber internet here um <laughs> but uh but yeah, you know that, I don't yeah the that's the that's the worst part you know and a lot of times that that can ruin an entire meeting you know you have a good flow going you have a good you know it's going well and then that just starts happening and then everyone's frustrated and yeah i mean that's the worst part in my opinion and i think you definitely do lose like the face-to-face interaction there's there's something to be said for that especially the environment too you know bringing people into what we bringing people here to the brewery you know that will change the way someone perceives a product for sure and then also you know if we go to them with our products and stuff, we can actually be there face to face. Yeah, there's definitely an interaction. You you just you don't you lose that you know that human contact off off a screen. But that's just the way it is. I mean, there's other benefits. I think you know people haven't had to travel as much, so there's a lot of people that that like the way that this is going. I've heard tons of people say how much they like the way things have changed. You know, because they don't have to travel as much. So yeah, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. When it comes to, you said something that really interested me of opening up new accounts via email. And in the beginning days of the pandemic, especially breweries that did a lot of business over the, you know, over their own bars, they now suddenly needed to get into package stores because that's where people were going to, uh, to, to, to stock up on booze. Um, when you, were you targeting places that you wanted to be in or was it, sort of a panic mode of shit. We have all this beer. We need to get it into as many places as possible to keep the lights on, you know, just start Googling and emailing. Yeah, dude, I mean, it's both. I think it was, it was honestly both. Like it was, you know, we need to do that and get our stuff out into stores. And it definitely was uh, more of a panic situation from us. I mean, like, honestly, like to, to quick backstories, like we, yeah, our business plan, because we built, we built this new brewery during COVID. I mean, like, the brewery I'm sitting in in Muskego, Wisconsin here is like that this was built during COVID. Like we opened it up. The first batch of beer we brewed on the system was the first week it all shut down. And we didn't open the tap room here until July, like right in the heat of it, you know? Um, July of 2020. Of 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was the brewery we started. We got our brewer's permit the week it all shut down. So we got our brewer's permit the week the world shut down and DOR from Wisconsin called us and was like, Hey, good luck. Here's your license. Like, <laughs> we're not going to be in the office for, you know, foreseeable future. Like we don't indefinitely. So good luck. And, uh, 
yeah, the first batch of beer we brewed in the system was a pretty quiet one, you know, staring at this brand new gorgeous brewery that we built and we were all very proud of, but like, you know, it's kind of like a very somber moment because we were like, shit, are we going to be able to keep brewing here? Like, I, I, you know, you just, no one knew it was going to happen. Like, we, you know, that was at the point where like no one knew how bad it was going to get. No one knew anything. Like, it was just, everyone was just kind of staring at each other. Like, it was, I don't know, it's one of the weirdest moments. And it feels like years ago at this point, it doesn't even feel like, I think it's been so blocked out by all of us. But the, oh, point yeah. was, but the point was we weren't going to go into distribution that hard. We were going to, we signed with our distributor we have here in Milwaukee, Beer Capital, and we didn't have any plans of going with anyone else. Or, you know, we were just going to do what we do, do beer releases between both tap rooms. We were going to distribute a little bit in Milwaukee and kind of slowly go from there. And when the pandemic happened and shut down, and the shutdowns happened, we had all these tanks sitting here and we're like, nah, man, fill them up. Let's, let's sell this stuff. So, and our distributor was on board and we hit retail stores 10 times harder than we were going to, you know, that soon, because that's just where everyone was buying beer. You know, they weren't showing up to us. I mean, the people around us showed up, we sold a lot of beer to go, but you know, there's no traveling. So we had to just adjust our business plan, which honestly in the long run, we're years, we're like at least a year or two, ahead of where we where I probably would we would have been from a distribution standpoint like now we're in the entire state of Wisconsin we're in Oregon and Massachusetts and Michigan Minnesota um so like that definitely is 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 a good thing for us so I was going to I was going to ask that because I, whenever I talk to brewers about like their business plan it's always you know and by the end of week 1 we had completely put it in we thrown it out the window or oh, put totally, it in the yeah, to never yeah, look yeah, at it totally, again kind of thing totally, yeah. but when it's out of your control like if sometimes it's based on success sometimes it's based on on, on other factors but when you know you're you're thrust with a pandemic and everybody is sort of in the same boat as you it's like sort of scrambling to get to the lifeboats when, when you think of it now are, are, are you happy that you're a year or two ahead of where you want it to be? Or, you know, does it feel weird because yeah. you didn't, you didn't get there in the way that you wanted to? Nah, man, you know what? I, I, I owning this business and, you know, I have two kids. I've learned a lot over the last five years, you know, we're four and a half years old as a brewery, but you know, we've been doing this now for old, well over five with the planning and, you know, um, but like, I've learned a lot and I think the biggest lessons in the craft beer world is things are always changing and you always have to adapt. Right. So like, like you said, you know, you have a business plan you think this is going to go this way, but you know, yeast is a living organism thing. Sometimes it chooses a different path. You know, sometimes machines break and you got to be creative and fix things on the fly or, you know, reorganize things. And like there's, we have to be so flexible on a daily basis of how we do our business that it kind of prepared us for the pandemic, I suppose. So the way I look at it is, you know, there was no choice. What happened happened. So, yeah, I'm 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 I'm, I'm grateful with the way things turned out for us. Um, I think we're in a better place from a distribution model for sure. Because I think during the pandemic, in my opinion, like work was harder, life was harder, but like decisions were almost easier. Because like you, you had to make more beer, you had to sell beer, you had to, you had to make money to survive. You know, so decisions were almost easier because there was pretty much only certain paths you could go down right so um that was almost easier but like yeah the execution and getting it all done that yeah, was it was hard i mean like you know shipping is still a nightmare raw materials are a nightmare 
we got some more equipment machines coming in like new candy line and stuff right now but like you know all of it's sitting on the floor at our manufacturer because you know it's missing like two parts <laughs> it's like 99.9 percent .9 done minus two parts uh -huh. so it's just been the way of the world but now i think we're better off because of it and i, I look back on it i think i i learned i probably learned you know three four years worth of knowledge in a year you know dealing with like insurance companies with covid and dealing with our accountants and figuring out these there's all these grants from the government and i spoke to more people I, it's just it was a huge amount of things that happened in a short amount of time which taught me a lot you know you know yeah. i mean as a business owner i mean it definitely made us all stronger and i i i i'm i, I always like to look at things from a positive light you know so are, are there things that you did beer wise that sort of changed up during the pandemic? Like, did, did you, did you put new focus on certain styles or, you know, were you just trying to get your, your core brands out? Like what was the, what was the, the, you know, the beer component of that? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean or what the market was looking for. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, we haven't had year round beer until like this past year. That was never a thing because we never had, we were in a seven barrel brew house before and we, had like you know seven 15 and 20 barrel fermenters yeah so we just we never had enough volume of one thing to have a year round so year rounds kicked off for us which was set list and loop station which were the original year rounds way back when um tweaked a bit obviously recipes are different now than they used to be uh for the better uh but year rounds we kicked in which is great because you know it gets us into stores and you know we kind of have a permanent place and and Loop Station set list are just amazing. They're just really good year-round products for us. We're very proud of them. So to have a go-to beer for people is fun, you know, because I have people come up and tell us like, oh, dude, set list is like my go-to IPA. You know, it's not something they drink all the time, but it's like more often, you know, we're in that rotation for them more than most, which is cool. Um, and then, yeah, we just tried to really hit one-offs like we, we have in the past. You know, we tried to get a little bit crazier with some of the beers we made this past year. Um, we started really experimenting with hard seltzers. So, cause that's popular shit right now. Yeah. Uh, so we make like these smoothie seltzers, hard smoothie seltzers. So it's just like massive overfruited seltzers that have been like kicking <laughs> off like crazy. Like we sell a ton of them, which is cool. Um, we did a bunch of those releases. We tried to just, honestly, we tried to like last summer, we tried to make a bunch of really cool things that like, you know, we really tried to branch out and be interesting. Because, you know, if during the pandemic, if people were too scared to go out and do things, right? Like, you know, a lot of people like were very happy and they're like, we came through your drive-through to get to go beer because it's like the one time during the week, like I just got excited to go out, grab something and like, it made me happy for a bit. So like a lot of that was really cool because, you know, beer is definitely having a beer with a friend is an escape. And, you know, when things are bad and shitty, you know, having that really cool beverage that surprises you and you get to have a cool conversation about something fun for a minute, you know, that takes your brain off stuff. So that was just all we were trying to do is make people happy and give people smiles. More with Max Borgart in just a moment, but first a short word from the folks who help us keep the lights on over here. Check out NZ Hops. At NZ Hops, they feel that sustainability is not only being a steward for the land, but for our future. We're in it together. Join the conversation at nzhops.co.nz or on LinkedIn, Instagram, or on Twitter. Brees is proud to control their malt starting in the field until it arrives at your brewery. 
They have a long-term relationship with several hundred growers in the Bighorn Basin of Wyoming and Montana, where warm days, cool nights, and floodwater irrigation yield some of the highest quality barley in the U.S. And Lawson's Finest Liquids, their taproom, beer garden, and retail store are open 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday and Saturday. Get food, beer, like Little Sip, and Vermont hospitality all in one place. Learn more at Lawson'sFinest.com. And now back to my conversation with Max Borgart of Eagle Park Brewing. I'm going to probably regret this, but let's talk about hard smoothies because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like visually, I, I, if I don't think of them as beer and I think of them as like the, you know, the tropical slush at, you know, some, you know, bad shore tiki bar, um, I can get behind it, you know, like it's just that machine that's churning in the background and like that kind of thing. It's like, okay, there's a time and a place for that. When I see it at, like next to a West coast IPA or, you know, a Pilsner or something like that in a, in a brewery setting, it's so jarring. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you, yeah. I don't know, we're like a weird anomaly. Like we, uh, Jack, my brother, Jack, he's one of my, the other owner, and he's, I'm the president of all the business stuff. Jack is in charge of all the production. So Jack does all, they're his recipes. Jack's the one that designs them, makes them, carries them through. Um, you know, he brews literally one of the best lagers, in my opinion, in Wisconsin. Fishing for Fishies is like one of my favorite beers in the world, fortunate enough to make it. Um, and I'm really hard on our beer. Like we're very, very hard on our beer. Like we, we take that we take it very seriously but like fishing for fishies is a great pilsner um and uh yeah he'll he'll we take he's made spent years perfecting that recipe and then yeah we have you know that does it sits next to like a hard smoothie um on our on our menus and i think right now we have like 47 beers on tap right now here out in spigo and it's good you know, lord all of yours yeah, yeah, ranges from lagers to West Coast IPAs to New England IPAs to milkshake IPAs to, you know, regular stouts, adjunct stouts. We have hard smoothies. We have clear hard seltzers. Um, we make a lot of different products. So it's like IPAs now. You have either, yeah, the the original clear seltzers or now the hazy seltzers. Yeah, like literally, dude, seriously. So like, I was having a conversation with the vice president of our distributor and I was dying laughing because I was like, you know, like the you know, no, the traditional hard seltzer, like the clear ones. And I was like, I just said traditional hard seltzer. You sure uh, did. Yeah. And he started laughing and I started laughing, but like, yeah. <laughs> and then everybody died a little bit inside. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know what? Like it, I would say like back in the day, I would have fought it. You know, I'm like, no, can't do that. But at this point, man, like we're just trying to make things that people like. And if they like them, that's the goal. And they are, you know what? It's we, we kind of, we weren't going to make them for a while. And we all sat in a meeting and Jack made up a batch, a small batch, a test batch. And we all tried it. And we were like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Like, ah, oh, it's good. Like, like it, and that's you know, the thing, right? Like you have like, to like it if you're making yeah. it. No, it's good. Our heart smoothies are really good. They're really good. I mean, it's, they serve a purpose, man. You're out in summer day and you're just chilling. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. My, uh, my, one of my really good friends who's, I love him to death, but yeah, he had, he puts vodka rum in it and just to jack it up even more <laughs> like a crazy person, but they're, they're just, they're good. They're no nonsense. They're just good fruit beer or well, fruit hard seltzer. It's not beer, but, um, but we also make the slush beers and stuff too. And yeah, those are beer based too. And people like them, you know, it's, it's no, I, here to 
push the envelope and see what happens. And we don't release something if we're not proud of it. And if it doesn't meet Jack's standards, it's just, it's not gonna, it's not gonna see the light of day. So. I'm when you said 47 beers on tap right now, like that just stopped me in my tracks a little bit because that is, that's a lot of beer. That's a lot of taps to manage. That's a lot of infrastructure of you know, lines and keeping track of everything a- a- along the way. But it's also just, if I walked in and saw 47 different taps, like I, I, I don't know if I could one, make a decision quickly and then not be thinking about, did I make the right choice? Even if the beer tasted good, um, ha- you know, sort of like, you know, tap list FOMO, but how, ha- why 47 um it ends up being that we, we have like 30 main lines that we curate but then we also end up having we have a back line we have like six taps on the back side that we use for extras and then we do we do like can pours of like so all the hard smoothies and hard seltzers are all in cans we don't put them on tap okay so those options end up being in cans and there's right now we usually have like i don't know seven to eight options in the hard seltzer world at any time between both tap rooms that you can have just because like the heavy fruit or the higher carbonation, if it's in a can, it'll keep that. You put it on tap, especially a clear hard seltzer just goes flat. Um, so we like to, we keep those in cans, but yeah, it's 36 to 40 that we have on tap straight up. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, we usually release like two new things a week. So for us, we've kind of gotten used to managing all of it and we have it all in our menus grouped out to styles, you know, like hoppy, fruited, sour style. Yeah. So like, it's a little bit easier to navigate from a standpoint of kind of what you're looking for. Um, and we have a year round category two on there. It's the stuff we always make. Uh, we try to make it easy and our, our bartenders know their stuff too. So we can kind of steer people in the right direction. They know, you know, if someone's looking for something hoppy, they're like, do you want something, you know, that's going to be more up the middle that you're, you're used to, like Citra Mosaic. Do you want to go something crazy? Because we have like a beer called Love is a Rose and it has like a bunch of crazy experimental hops in it. So, um, you know, we, our bar, our staff knows enough where they, they can kind of guide people into what they're looking for. But yeah, I mean, people come in and they're like, oh my God, this is overwhelming. That's a lot of, it's a lot. Of, I mean, dude, two weeks ago, we had 56 different beers to go. So yeah. Damn. Okay. Lot. Yeah. yeah it's um, just i think it's down to, i think it's down to like 35 right now though we just had like a we had a lot of them just in the tail end of going away but and yeah, you found it that it's like just it's not too much choice it works for you guys yeah it works because like it, it all sells i mean we don't we don't there's we know we never get into a place where not, not like it's, we don't sell through something and it's all fresh too which is crazy like you're we move a lot of products to our tap rooms which is great and uh people come in here because we have you know that much of variety we kind of we joke we're almost like our own liquor store at this point um <laughs> you can come in and get like you know we make a beer called mosquito light on the side too and it's under little mosquito brewing company we have a different trade name for it and okay. uh we sell that too here and it's like we got you know light beer from for people who that's what they want that's cool and then we got stuff that's you know gonna blow people's minds that people wouldn't even like that's a beer it's like yeah man so we kind of we we, we we like to have something for everyone when they walk in the door by putting your light beer under a different company, different brand, um, it, I, that strikes me as a really smart move um, just to sort of grab, I don't know, non-craft drinkers' attention um, and not try to necessarily trick them of like, you know, hey, here's a craft brewery making a 
well, not trick them, but like sometimes lighter beers can be a harder sell if people think that it's coming from the same place that's making, you know, the blackberry passion fruit hard smoothie seltzer. Um, totally. What was the what was was that your thought when yeah. when you created a, a separate brand for a light beer? Yeah, I mean, like you know, moving out to Muskego here. I mean, like you know, honestly, it was one of those debates where we knew we were gonna start a different trade name for it for sure little mosquito brewing and then i think it just allows us to do what we want with that versus feeling like we had to do things a certain way like you just said because it is part of like you know if it's part of eagle park's brand it kind of forces us to treat something a certain way but like now that it's its own thing there's kind of no rules you know it's like a fresh start so the whole little mosquito brand thing is kind of on the back burner for us eventually, you know, probably the next year, once we get some more tanks in and some new equipment that's coming, we might start letting that rip a little harder, but it's just fun project for us. I think the reason that we did it is because like here in Wisconsin, we still, we still see like people who are massive craft beer fans will still have like a, like a highlight or something. I was going to, I was going to say like, I, Wisconsin is so different when it comes to its love of all things, Miller products that, yeah, you don't like, have something that can either compete with that or at least be on offer at your brewery. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like, I don't know. Like I grew up, you know, it's a Miller town, like Milwaukee. And, you know, we're not going to be like, shy, like shy away from that and be like, Oh yeah. Like screw the big guy. I mean like, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're obviously want to sell beer and we love craft beer. We don't really drink that much of it, but like we are from Milwaukee and Miller is part of our city. Miller was part of, you know, all of our, us growing up. Um, so, you know, high life is a thing. I'll still have high life if it's, you know, round. I don't like go out of my way to order it, but you know, if it's there, sure. Um, but yes, yeah, the kind of, that was kind of the thought process is like, even people who love craft beer will have like a PBR or a high life from time to time. And it's kind of nostalgic. So, you know, we kind of wanted to create the little, the mis- little Muskego brand, the Muskego light brand to be like nostalgic, you know, that's old school looking cans. We have these old school looking t-shirts and stuff, and it's just kind of meant to be its own thing not interfere with what we do and it's not that we you know you know, like we, like you said we're not trying to trick anyone it's just it's just right. something else it's kind of fun for us so like we have another one coming out called like uh little mosquitoes uh mosquito original draft <laughs> like just like you know it's like just it's Good, you had the attorney sign off on that one i i hope yeah yeah uh yeah they can't get us for that one honestly i already have my attorneys look into it um so like yeah we, i wasn't joking when i said that yeah yeah, but no, like, you know, little things like that, man. And like, we got a new web, we'll have a website for it. It's just going to be like really comical, funny, off the wall, kind of cool, fun brand that maybe one day it'll take off. But right now it's just a side product. We just, you know, it exists in our tap rooms. Okay. And people like people drink the shit out of it, dude. It's crazy. Like I think Jack's making 40 barrel batches of it right now. And we sell out of it in our tap rooms, like a whole 40 barrel batch of just draft. We'll sell in like, I don't know, a month. That's really. <laughs> it is a state that loves its beer and i wish more states were like that but uh that's yeah, yeah, you know, we still we still sell a ton of we sell and the majority of our stuff isn't that but like you know what it, the way i see it too it's like it's a gateway beer it gets people in the door that maybe don't like ipas but then you know three months down the road we'll try something and they end up liking it and now they just drink this you know so you know and there's a lot of times people come in with their family members and you know i want you know, if someone in their group doesn't drink craft beer, it's like, well, here's a light beer that's really good too. And it's something for everyone. And like I said, maybe that yeah. person then tries something else while he's here from someone and they're like, whoa, it's awesome. And now we just got them into something, you know, 
whether it's an IPA or a fruity beer or a sour or something, you know, I mean, a lot that's, of times people just don't know. They haven't tried it. Sure. But that's aspirational. And, you know, I've heard people say that before of like, you know, getting them started on, you know, something, um, you know, could, could lead to other things, but I, I've yet to hear a convincing story that it was through an American light lager. You know, usually it's something like, you know, like an ESB or, you know, something or, you know, even just like a stout that's not Guinness, um, something that had a little bit yeah, more flavor as opposed right. to what's that? I would say, yeah, you're totally right on that for sure. Yeah. So, so I guess the question is, are, are you thinking of ways to bring people along? Like, so, you know, you have that one person in the group who, you know, is going to drink your Muskego light and, you know, enjoy it. Um, are you thinking of ways of saying like, Hey, why not try, you know, one of our other 47 beers that we oh, have on tap? Yeah. Or have on I mean, offer. My staff does that constantly. And I've even heard people in our tap room, like walking by tables, like having people in their group be like, yo, dude, just try this. Just try this. Please try this. Like you have, like, don't drink that, drink this. And I think just being here, that happens. So maybe it's not necessarily like the beer that, like you said, is the gateway. I think it's just being in this atmosphere, having something that they like. Well, then, you know, they'll be like, yeah, sure. Give me that. I'll try it. It's peer and pressure. I actually have. Yeah, exactly. Totally peer pressure. Yeah, <laughs> peer pressure. Um, so like it, it is totally that. So, I mean, shit, my dad, my dad used to drink like Miller 64 when I first we before, like I ran like a craft beer bar and I would like he'd sit there drinking Miller 64. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Just try this. Anything He's like, whoa, I was like, give him a craft lager. And he's like, oh, OK. And then. He started drinking like Ambers. He was drinking River West Dine from Lakefront. And and then, yeah. you know, got and then he got into drinking Pale Ales. And finally, now all he drinks are IPAs. Straight up, like West Coast IPAs, New England IPAs. It's his favorite thing in the world. Are you and, pushing the hard uh, hard smoothies on him now? No, he won't drink that. <laughs> no, he's, he's 63, man. He's not he's not jumping on that wagon. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, I think that's just like, you know, people's palates change. And I think just knowing what they are is half the battle. And, you know, if you're in our atmosphere, in our room, you know, I think people end up just, you know, I'm here. Why not? And they try other things. And I think that a lot of times it surprises what they like, you know, you've mentioned your brother a bunch of times. You guys founded the brewery together. Uh, there's a story on your website of you were either going to be musicians or brewers. And I hear that's, there's not, that's not an uncommon thing. Um, there really does seem to be a correlation between people who enjoy creating music and also enjoy creating beer and the music industry can be really rough. The beer industry is obviously very, very difficult, but you know, there's in some cases an easier gateway to paying the mortgage. Um, what do you see as the relationship between beer and music? Um, a lot of things like a lot of things. I mean, I would say there's, there's what half of my staff in the back that works in the brewery is all musicians. Um, I am Jack is my brother Cass that is in charge of all of our sales. He's a drummer. We were all in a band, you know, we still are, we still play shows every once in a while, but, uh, I don't know. I think there's, as a musician, you're, you're, you're kind of like, you're predetermined to work out in the, in the craft beer industry, you know, like you're, you're kind of bred for it because music is hard. Writing music is 
a passion. You know, you don't do it because someone forced you to. You do it because you love it. You know, if you if you write your own music and you go play your own music at shows, you know, some people aren't going to give a shit for a minute. You know, you got to convince them that your band is good. You have to convince them that your music is good, and you have to convince them to believe in you. And you know, you got some shitty shows every once in a while, but then there's those moments where you know it's just it's killer, and the audience is great, and th- it's those moments that keep you coming back as a musician. And it's the shitty ones that kind of make you stronger. And brewing beer is the same way, man. Our industry is brutal, like you said. But you know, you're we're kind of already we're gonna have some bad days where equipment breaks and things are frustrating, and then we're gonna have some good days. But then you know, the moment you get out there and you see how much people dig our beer and drink it and love it, and you know, that's that's what makes it all worth it. But I would also say it's just like the creative energy making something is also why musicians just are in the craft beer world. I think it's just the mentality is the same for a musician as it is like someone who works in a brewery and who is a brewer. So I think that's why you see so many of it. Dude, I can't even tell you how many breweries that I am friends with, owners and who are musicians. They're head brewers here, musicians. Like everyone is a musician. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's nuts. You could put together five bands at each brewery. And um, like we have a grand, our grand reopening party. It's July 30th coming up. And uh, like the three bands that are playing here are all employees. It's like our entire music lineup that night's just all employees. Band. They're all and they're all kick ass. They're all amazing. That's really so cool. I think I think that that's just like a that's that's I think that's the huge the huge part of the mentality is is just it's very similar minded things. And I think people who aren't musicians or working at brewery wouldn't put that together, but I think we're just kind of bred for it. It's nice that you're supporting your employees that way and giving them a stage and giving them a chance to, to, you know, perform, you know, with the backdrop of, of, of the brewer. I think that's a, that's a really cool thing. Um, one of the, oh, yeah, but their bands yeah. are really talented and successful. So like, it's not even like <laughs> they're, Oh, so it's not, it's not necessarily even an act of charity. It's uh, no, 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 okay. no, no. They, they, these guys, they're, they play, they play some awesome shows. So no, okay. they're, they're, they're here doing us a favor. Okay. <laughs> Um, I originally asked you on the show because over the last couple of weeks, I've been seeing, uh, this IPA pop up in my beer fridge here, uh, brewers from around the country are, are, are sharing this beer that they're making that, uh, you started with, uh, malt Europe, um, and I guess a local hop company, right? Hollingberry and yeah, son. Yep. And hope for the day. Yeah. And hope for the day. Yeah. And the, the beer is called things we don't say craft beer for mental health. I, I don't want to take your thunder away. Can can you tell us about the project? Yeah. Um, you know, Hope for the Day is, is an amazing charity, and they do a lot. And uh, Joel Fritters, who, you know, we know from the charity that kind of spearheaded this whole thing, he started doing these collaborations with these breweries on a smaller scale. You know, he'd do little one-offs, you know, with a brewery, and they would talk about mental health, and they would – portion of the proceeds would go back towards you know hope for the day um because obviously every charity they they need money to keep going um yeah and joel is definitely a champion of he's a musician as well (laughs) kick-ass musician um and you know being in the music world and in the brewing world i think it's just that there's a there's a monster there's a big level of it tends to be obviously more males you know, and it's changing by the day, which is fantastic. Um, that it's way more evening out, which is important. And 
I think because back then though, you know, being a male myself and knowing, you know, there's a lot of times people don't want to talk about that stuff and not just males, like females too. Like it's, it's not, it was never really like, there's always a stigma behind, you know, mental health. And I yeah. think, you know, everyone's deepest fear is that, you know, if I tell someone how I'm feeling, you know, what if they think I'm crazy? What if they think, you know, Oh, you need to go on meds or, you know, there's something wrong with you. And I think it got to a point where nobody talked. And like, that's why we're having all these social, these issues socially. And I think it came to like a boiling point, you know, during COVID where now you're, you, I think you're seeing all these people talk about it is I think everyone's finally like, you know, enough is enough. You know, we can't, we can't continue to sit here and ignore these problems that we're having. And everyone has mental, you know, everyone has things in their life that are hard and, you know, it's, it's life is challenging. So I think this whole project was just started around getting people to speak up about how they feel. And if they're going through something, you know, tell someone. And like a lot of times just getting that off your chest is, is a huge thing. And my family has a lot of experiences with mental health. Um, and we've had, you know, things that have been unfortunate that have happened. And, you know, it's it, when, when we were asked to be part of it, it was an instant yes, just because, you know, I'm out Europe and hopefully the day came with, came to us and they're like, Hey, we're thinking of doing this giant project. What do you guys think? And I said, yes, immediately. It wasn't even like a thought in my, you know, it wasn't a thought. There was no decision to be made. It was just like, yes, we're doing this. And, you know, to, to have as many breweries as they did jump on this too. I mean, it was like, yeah. shit, I don't even, I don't even know the final count. It was like a, probably approaching 200, honestly, towards the end. Yeah. And, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the map and, uh, yeah, yeah there's it, a huge concentration in the Midwest and, uh, on the East coast. And yeah, countries. Like, this is international. There's other breweries around the, world that we're doing this as well so um it was a pretty wild thing that caught on and i you know it's perfect timing you know with covid and everything and you, even people who you know might consider them to be like strong mentally even you know, everyone had issues during covid you know i mean it was this is an unforeseen thing that no one's dealt with in our lifetime so i mean it was i think it opened up the box it opened up the, the conversation for everyone not just you know people who might think that you know they struggle with it i think it's it opened it up for everyone and i think that was the really this is the best part about that whole project is and then honestly like we had so many breweries reach out to us and i got so many emails from people saying thank you you know and it's not it's not thank you to us like it's hope for the day this is like you know their brainchild yeah. in all europe we're just we're fortunate just to be involved in it you know but you know, we got a lot of stories from, you know, brewers and people that work in breweries saying like, yeah, I lost my friend to suicide and this means a lot to me. And, you know, thank you for like making this, uh, putting this out there for people. And, you know, our families had some instances where we've been close to that, you know, the suicide route as well. And, you know, it, every, it's just maybe one conversation changes that, you know, one, yeah. one thing someone says to you is could be the thing that sways someone's decision. And, you know, I think that the worst thing about the whole situation is there's always that moment of like wondering why, like, you know, what could have been, you know, what if I, and that's a hard thing for people. For those of us who are left behind. Yes. Yeah. That have to sit here and deal with it. And obviously anyone that from the outside looking in is going to say, you know, it's not your fault, you know, it has nothing to, and it doesn't, but you know, it's, it's just those, those moments of, you know, what, what could have been. And I think the big thing is we just, it, it, it's like what Joel says, you know, from, hopefully it is like, you know, if, if we, if we can eliminate as many of those as we can, you know, we're doing our job, right. You know, like the, what we're the impact we're making is, is important. And that's the goal is, you know, just to, to 
have as little of that happen in the future going forward because people hopefully don't feel like they're, you know, less of a human being or, you know, because they feel that way. So. Yeah, it's uh, and we've talked about this a lot on the show and um, you know, Drew Fox from uh, 18th Street was really um, up forward about his uh, experiences in the past and uh, his work with Hope for the Day. And um, I'd encourage anybody who's listening to go back and take a listen to that if, if, you, if you haven't already. But um, you, you, but you've seen it's interesting because there's been all of these you know, beers for causes that have really been sort of coming out since the beginning of COVID. And they're not necessarily, some are COVID related, like the the other half uh, hospitality beer, but then there's others like uh, Weathered Souls, which had uh, their, their Black is Beautiful, which is born out of the um, Black Lives Matter movement last summer. Um, there's now Brave Noise, which is um, uh, coming from the uh, mistreatment of women in the industry. Um, there, there's all these beers that are designed to spark conversation. Um, and, and, and I often, I, I often wonder like for this particular beer, which you all released in, in, in May, we're in July now, um, you have seen people, I guess, em- embrace these conversations, have these, these very difficult conversations, um, because they've seen this beer or because they've heard about this initiative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was here, we had, uh, Old Irving Brewing from Illinois. And, yeah, uh, Chicago. And, uh, yeah, and they were up here talking to us, and, you know, they had very they, – they came to meet us because of that, and, you know, they told us some stories personally that, you know, I'm not going to get into, but, you know, the, the serious things that happened to them and friends, and, you know, it's it's a huge thing, and they've done stuff with Hope that previous too, so, like, you know, it's – everyone has experiences in it, and, you know, with to your point, too, with the, everyone doing these beers for causes, it's – I think every brewery – hopefully does it for the right reasons you know like if, if you feel that strong about it you need to do it you know but i think if anything it's just it's made you know some conversations that might have been uncomfortable in the past hopefully less uncomfortable moving forward especially with the women in our industry and some of the stories that you know you find out of it makes you pretty sick to your stomach and there's just a lot of things that i think we've had in our society that have just been norms for so long that no one kind of rocked the boat and no one said anything. And I think now that you look back on a lot of these instances and I, especially me as a, as a, as a business owner, you know, we have almost 80 employees now. There's 80 people's lives, you know, and the 80 people that work here that, you know, rely on this income for their life, you know, so they have kids and families and lives. So like we're, we have a lot of responsibility as a business. And not only that, we have a responsibility to be good employers and set examples for other companies. And we try to see ourselves in that, in that light. And, you know, a lot of the things you see happening and you hear about and you're like, wow, man, like, yeah, that does actually happen in other instances. And like, there's things you see on a daily basis, like, wow, but, you know, looking at it, that is wrong. And I don't, why has it been that way for that long? I mean, it's just because people, no one thought about it. No one talked about it. And now that, you know, people are, things are starting to change, which is good. And I think it's, you know, it's necessary. And I think everyone reevaluated everything they were doing and during COVID and it, I think, again, it made people kind of go, yeah, we're done with this. We're n- enough is enough. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of positives that come out of this past year. And I think those are the things, you know, everyone should focus on. Well, I'll remind, or I'll 
tell people that everybody that you can learn more about this beer. It's on hftd.org, uh, and the beer's things we don't say. It's a six percent IPA, um, and the recipe's on there. And even though you launched this in May, uh, people can still do this at any time, right? There's no. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We encourage anyone to jump in if they feel like brewing it. Yeah, like that's hundred percent. Just get get on board because it's 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 something that I think you know the world definitely needs right now. Are you, are you? Do you have plans to keep this going? Yeah, I mean, like we're gonna keep talking though, and like we don't when, when we when we work with charities that we you know we see eye to eye with. I think that's the big thing too is if whenever we do as much as we can for charity, we we hand select them because you know we want to make sure that you know we see eye to eye where the money's going. If it's you know our money that we're donating, and hopefully the day it's just been so, they're awesome. So um, we we see no reason why we're not gonna keep keep this going do some more collabs in the future and change up the beers and yeah i mean this the work's never done you know yeah yeah the work's never done until you know this is a problem that we don't have anymore or a situation we don't have anymore but max thanks for for being on the show this week and thanks for telling me about this beer and uh making me more curious about hard smoothies now uh seltzer smoothies i feel like i need to educate myself a little bit deeper on them. So thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're fun. That's, they're, 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 they're just, they're supposed to be fun. Um, and it sounds like you're busy behind you in the, in the, in the tap room there. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys are going to be able to have your, uh, grand reopening, uh, at the end of this month. Yeah, it's, uh, party that didn't happen last year. yeah. But, uh, but thanks for, for, for doing the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Again, you can learn more about the beer we talked about and more by visiting the Hope for the Day website at hftd.org. And again, my thanks to Max. Also, thank you for listening. Radio can often be a one-way street, but I've really enjoyed the conversations with many of you on email. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com or on Twitter at John underscore Hall. I respond to everybody, so please reach out. Let me know what's on your mind. Let me know what you want to hear, and I'm looking forward to those conversations. And of course, there's Beer Edge social media at The Beer Edge and all of our This Week in Rauk Beer various pages, including our Facebook group where you can just search for us, or on Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at TW Rauk Beer. As promised, Sean Lawson is back with me. He's the founder of Lawson's Finest Liquids in Vermont, which is a sponsor of this episode. Thanks to them for that. And we're talking about Little Sip. And Sean, I think there's a desire by a lot of drinkers for lower alcohol beers these days, but still having full flavor. So what was the challenge in making this beer? And what have you seen the response as? Well, the the challenge in making a beer where you're trying to deliver a lot of flavor with a little bit less alcohol is achieving just the right balance while uh, packing in uh, a full-flavored beer. Uh, and, you know, at 6%, it's not that low, um, but it is significantly lower than our Sip of Sunshine flagship that comes in at 8%. Uh, so we've brewed up uh, about five test batches of this beer to get the recipe just right before nailing down the Little Sip IPA, and I'm thrilled that it's going really well. It's available all throughout the Northeast uh, in cans, and draft is slowly coming back as well. So folks can look for those uh, bright blue Little Sip IPA cans uh, right next to the Sip of Sunshine. And uh, as you mentioned, the trend is towards lighter and lower alcohol beers, and we have another beer that uh, that sits right next to the little sip, our super session series, 
of IPAs that comes in at 4.8%. And that beer uh, is another one for folks that are looking for a little bit lighter uh, and lower alcohol beer uh, to quench their thirst. And it features a single hop in each uh, numbered edition of the Super Session series. So, uh, again, it's all about striking the right balance. And the lower alcohol you go, the the harder it is to do that. So we work really hard on our formulation to get it just right. Well, everybody should go give it a try and then a try again and again and again. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Little Sip and the Super Sessions are available in the Breweries Footprints, wherever fine beers are sold, and you can learn more about it at LawsonsFinest.com, where you can also learn more about the brewery and its other beers. This episode is sponsored by Brees. Brees is the leading supplier of specialty malt to craft brewers. They offer the broadest product line in the industry, including a wide range of roasted malts that add flavor, color, and character to beer. Their experienced operators handcraft every batch of roasted malt to ensure the product you get is consistent. Check out brewingwithbreeze.com for beer recipes using roasted malt. We're also brought to you by NZ Hops, the cooperative of master hop growers. They are a passionate collective of farms dedicated to innovation and sustainability. Leading the charge in sustainable farm practices, some NZ hop farms have over five generations of knowledge that inform their composting program, used by growers to promote healthy, regenerative growth of hops year upon year. This creates high-quality soil, a critical component of healthy growing conditions. At NZ hops, they feel that sustainability is not only being a steward for the land, but for our future. We're in it together. Join the conversation at nzhops.co.nz or on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. You know the deal. Nate Schweber, he does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. And I'm John Hall. New episodes of this show release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.